welcome to the Champions Edition of the American Scouser Podcast. I'm your host, Chris. Uh, as always, I have the OG, Tim Mitchin. How's it going, dude? Uh, what's happening, man? It's all good here. Good, good. And uh, on the other side, I have our man, Hooch. How you doing, dude? Uh, good, man. Couldn't be better. All right. So, as I said, the first ever Champions Edition of the American <laughs> Scouser the American Scouser Podcast. 99 points, 32 wins, seven games to go, all kinds of records equaled and broken. Guys, we were talking just before um, we started here about has it sunk in yet? It still hasn't sunk in for me. Um, I'm still sort of, all these awards are coming in and we'll, we'll touch on those as we go on. But to mention, how are you feeling yourself, man? Champions of everything. Feels good. I'll be honest, like ever since, in terms of like when it sinks in, I mean, I've kind of like had this ever since the restart happened and we knew they were coming back. I felt like we were champions. It almost feels like it hasn't ended yet. I feel like there's going to be another game, another God of Honor this weekend or something like that <laughs> more than anything else. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's been awesome. Like I said, that was that scare after we kind of like pummeled everybody uh, with the whole, like, you know, null and void crew, which, you know, uh, rest in peace to our friends in Watford. But, um, <laughs> so, I mean, uh, apart from that scare, once that was gone, I mean, it's been kind of like, uh, just enjoying the ride for the last, what, like month now, five weeks. But, I mean, it's been a while. It feels like it has been so long that it's been like, we've been kind of like almost in a celebration mode. Yeah. Hooch, uh, what about yourself? I mean, I- I've been celebrating from, that that Thursday that that Chelsea got that result and we won the title, but um, you know, actually getting the trophy, getting to the end of the season, being the actual champions. I mean, it's been so long. We were so long in waiting to get this first Premier League title, and then we had to wait so long because of the break and everything else to get the trophy and, and be crowned the champions. I mean, how, how are you feeling yourself, dude? Ah. Uh. I feel great about it. Uh, it's it's um it's a relief, finally to get it. Um, like Tamuchi was saying, it's been so long that we've known we've gonna like we were gonna win it. That uh, ever since the restart, it's kind of like, for the first time in recent memory, I can remember uh, is not sit on the edge of my couch, <laughs> watching every game, following every result. You know, it's yeah. like what we were going for. We were going you know for the points record, the wins record, but in terms of uh like actually winning the trophy, we already had it locked up. So it was a strange feeling coming down the last three or four weeks, not trying to qualify for the top four, not fighting out for the trophy, just enjoying the ride, getting the um, the players on. You know, Minamino got that start last match. It was good to see him. But, uh, yeah, it's been a hell of a ride. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Let's jump back to next week. and, and Or next week? Let's jump back to next week. What's that? Back <laughs> to the future? Um, no, let's jump back to the Chelsea game last week. Um what a game that was. I mean, I was fully expecting, um, you know, we were getting the trophy that day. Everybody would be kind of distracted and it would be one of those games where, you know, Chelsea needed a result and we didn't need anything other than maybe just to show our face of a bit of pride after, you know, the Arsenal game. And it was kind of like, for me, I, I was expecting this super tight, tense game and we got an unbelievably back and forward match that it was just end-to-end end for 90 minutes. Uh, and fair play to Chelsea. They came to play uh, and everything else. Um, and we ended up, you know, lifting the trophy on 96 points, which to me was kind of a little bit of poetic justice in a sense. Um, but yeah, that, that Chelsea game was was unbelievable. Um, what, what's your thoughts on that, Hooch? I mean, that was, that, that was a hell of a game. Uh, yeah, it was entertaining for sure. Um, it seems like it's always entertaining when you play them. Um, and he had a little dust up on his uh, touchline between <laughs> Klopp and Lampard. That's a nice story going into the next season. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, the way we came out and played, I think Klopp instilled it, it probably in a uh, pre-match speech that you yeah, ever lift in the trophy, but you do want to lift the trophy after a win. Yeah. You don't want to lose or, you know, you don't want to come out uninspired or then lift the trophy. You want to, you know, do it on a high. Um, not just for players, but for the fans watching at home too. They could have slept off through the match, and we also would have been thrilled to get the trophy at the end. But, you know, put on a show for us, make it uh, that much more memorable. Yeah, that's, that's what it was. It, it seemed to be that sort of little 
the when and how we did it and the excitement of the game just carried through to the to the trophy lift and and everything that happened after the game to mention i mean we we were all sort of chatting back and forward you know uh, about the whole thing and waiting for the shuffle um <laughs> you know what, what's your thoughts on, on sort of everything that sort of went on last week i mean even klopp said after the game that he was kind of shocked with the intensity i'll be honest i think the biggest factor in that was this manchester city game uh and probably how they felt afterwards even though you know they had won a title it didn't mean anything these guys obviously don't like losing they're not used to losing so and not to mention the arsenal game after that so i think knowing that feeling they knew they wouldn't want to be in that mood and mode to lift the trophy. I mean, it's going to be something either way to lift the trophy, but you don't want to go out there saying, man, that kind of sucks on your way up the stairs. So, I mean, it was like a fun game to watch overall. And like Hooch says, it seems like that with Chelsea. And they either come to play, obviously they had something to play for, uh, unlike we, I mean, unlike, you know, we did. But um, no, I mean, I thought it was like a great way to end it. And I'll be honest, I mean, when they went up 4-1, it's probably hard to focus and keep going. Under normal conditions, that probably would have gotten worse for Chelsea, but it's kind of hard to keep going probably while there are like fireworks in the background and things (laughs) like that, to be able to focus during the game while like there's a party outside with fireworks. So, you know, a couple of like, you know, laps in concentration and they got those two goals. But um, no, it was like a fun game to watch. And like Hoot says, I'm just kind of like been, and you guys know me, I'm like the major when it comes to like worrying uh it's been kind of like nice to just kind of like uh, sit back and watch a game and stuff like that so uh but it was fun to watch great game well played overall i mean throughout and we saw some good performances that kind of were promising for the future and then to kind of top that off with like i mean it was going to be awesome the trophy lift either freaking way but uh to come off of that high of the game into that i mean what a night yeah and that's the thing it's it's as Hooch was saying there you know it was nice this weekend and even the Chelsea game a little bit but it was even nice on Sunday that yes I saw people complaining that we were on the Peacock app and it was streaming and stuff but did anybody really care about the Newcastle game you know um I mean yes we got the win and and going one nil down after like 45 seconds or whatever it was it was being caught out like that it was it was kind of like who cares we're champions. It was, as Hitch was saying, it was nice to be able to sit down and watch what is a competitive game and not have a single worry at all. Like, usually it would be, oh, maybe, oh, we might have a, a, a Champions League game or something. Somebody might get injured. We need to make sure of this or that. But it was just like, I didn't care who the lineup was. I didn't care who played, who scored, who did this, who did that. I think the only concern was people were wanting Mo Salah to get a 20th goal so he could have three seasons in a row with 20 goals, you know, because he's that one-season wonder that everybody kept talking about. Um, (laughs) But do you know what I mean? And It's just nice for a change as a Liverpool fan to not have the weight of the world on your shoulders watching that game. You know, and I was I, I watched the United Leicester game personally because it was win win. You know, um, <laughs> it was win win for me. If if Leicester beat United, then ha happy days, fuck United. Uh, and if United beat Leicester, it was like well, typical Brandon. You know, uh, so it was like vindication for us as Liverpool fans to watch him throw away another lead in a team where he was third for since when like. They were happily in third place and were easily in the Champions League positions. Yeah. And all of a sudden, on the final day, Leicester dropped the fifth. Yeah, it was not even like a discussion. Like, it was more like, who's going to make fourth? Like, yeah. who's going to make third was not a discussion until like maybe like three, four weeks ago when they yeah. just went through that huge collapse there since the restart. But um, I mean, I personally watched Liverpool game, but I had the phone next to me with the updates and obviously we were chatting like throughout. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to watch, you know, kind of like which was going with, you know, like when I saw the starting lineup, I was like, well, this should be interesting, especially mostly for like Minamino uh, more than anything else. Because if we're not going to do any major signings, it's important to see if these guys are going to be able to fill in these roles yeah. like going forward. Uh, been pretty impressed with like how like Keita has played. 
uh, like since the restart, that's Definitely. been really promising. I know it's like a common saying and it's like a common joke, like he's like a new signing kind of deal. But <laughs> having said that, you know, with his recent form and everything, I really feel like I've been like very critical of him. I mean, you guys know I'm not, yeah. you know, you really have to like show me something and not just by like, the, you know, the money spent on him. It feels like he's growing more and more into it. And he looks so smooth on that dribble with the ball. And it's sometimes what we need to break down defenses and stuff. So that's what I was like mostly watching for, like kind of like looking ahead, watching Nico and things like that. But yeah, I had one eye on the scoreboard. But I mean, we knew United was going to get a penalty. It was more like it's <laughs> Leicester going to be able to kind of like counter that somehow. Well, it was nice to see... Uh... <sighs> My fellow Northern Irishman, um, just not hold back uh, and try to kick the absolute shit out of United. Uh, Johnny Evans. <laughs> I mean, um, it's whatever. But that's the thing. Like you said, you you, you were sort of. I had the, the Liverpool game on my phone and the United game on the TV, and I was kind of flicking around the channels when I was watching the. the I would watch the scores in the top corner and see what was happening and then flick to the channel to see the replay of the goals and stuff like that. Uh, and it was kind of, like I said, it was a nice thing to do. Uh, and you were saying there, Tim, about, um, you know, looking at these players like Minamino. Uh, and I watched the game back afterwards, and I have to say, Minamino is getting better and better. He's starting to come into it. And in a similar way to the way um, he's had a tentative sort of start in a similar way Nabi, Nabi did. Nabi came in and he had that kind of a few flashes of brilliance and then the injuries or whatever. And I think with Minamino, it's going to take a bit of time for him um, to settle. And we saw after the, the celebrations, him looking a little bit awkward and out of place. And I think that comes down, boils down to the culture. His, his culture, uh, you know, he comes from a different world, you know, and um, from what I know, the Japanese culture, they're not like us where they're like, yo, jumping around the place with bottles of champagne when they celebrate. So, um, it, it was it was nice to see the likes of Hendo and Sadio Mane try to integrate him in there. And I think the longer he's with us and the more comfortable he gets with everybody and and, and sort of the culture of English football, um, I, I think he's really going to be a player. As for Naby, um, I said it myself during the during the, the COVID break when we come when he came back, I, I had a feeling he was going to kick on and be something you know, start to show us why we signed him. Uh, Hooch, uh, anybody else uh, around the, the squad that, that are starting to, that have been on the periphery um, that you're starting to see that you're hopeful of seeing more of next season? Um, I think from what we saw, Curtis Jones yeah. is a name we have to watch. Uh, he's, you know, we'll get the cup features uh, next season, but he's a player I feel like you could plug him in in the front three. You can play him in the midfield and he doesn't look out of place. You know, Nico's, you know, he's great going forward, but you could see coming back on defense, he's a step slow or yeah. he's unsure of himself. When Jones is in there, he just looks like he knows what to do. He always seems to find the ball. And we've seen, you know, the uh, Everton match, he can score from almost anywhere. Yeah. So he'd be, um, yeah. he's going to be fun to watch. And then uh, Ron Brewster just seems to score been, goals for Swansea every, out, of, out of this world goals every yeah, week. I don't know if you saw the one this past week. Yeah. like 35 yards out, had a two <laughs> yards of space, blasted it. Yeah. Um, yeah. His so confidence yeah, is through the roof. Yeah, and um, the same thing with Nabby. You know, the more he plays and we can see him uh, week in and week out, just being able to break down defenses when they want to sit back against us. We always can't counter. Um, that'll be clutch to have going forward. Oh, for sure. I, and that's the thing. I mean, a lot of people, um, we can jump ahead to this because we're now in transfer season. Um, you know, um, the, the season's over, so this is where it all starts. This is where the rumors and all are going to pop up. And, you know, we've already seen a, a, a few sort of trickles of, of stuff coming in. Um, obviously, we've had a few articles on it, the Nerdy by Nature about Thiago Alicantra and, um, you know, these sort of players. But as you said, Hooch, you know, if we're looking at sort of those midfield players, um, you know, we have Gruich to come back. Uh, Harry Wilson has to come back. Ryan Brewster's going to be coming back. Um, and obviously Curtis Jones, uh, Nico. Um, all, all these players are, are are knocking on the door of the first team. Curtis Jones, I think, is probably the first top of the tree in that. I mean, he's got a new number. Um, it looks like he's going to feature pretty heavily with the first team next season. Um, and, I, and I think that sort of points to the fact that we're not going to spend heavily. I don't think we need to spend heavily. Um, you know, there's a lot of other teams that are going to be spending money. I mean, you look at the money Chelsea have spent already. 
um, and the players that they've brought in and, and are rumored to be bringing in. No doubt, City are going to drop a, a you know a, a bucket load of cash like they always do. Um, and United are probably going to dip into the market as well. Um, securing Champions League football is, is a big thing for them. So they're all going to be pushing hard. Arsenal and, and Spurs um, will have the luxury of, of not uh, Spurs. Spurs will have Europa League, I think. Yeah, uh, sixth, yeah I think didn't so. they? Yeah, I, th- I think it depends on like how the Cups finals end as well. Oh, cup, but... oh, okay. Uh, and then you've got Arsenal as well, who, you know, Obviously, haven't had the best season either, but they're going to be coming back firing, um, and they're in a build, rebuilding process with Miguel Arteta. So, you know, he's going to make changes here. Um, Leicester are going to be back again, no doubt. Wolves, Sheffield United, I'm hoping, can have another run at it next year. And we may even see the likes of Leeds um, enter the fray, you know. Um, you know, they're a big club with a big, big support, um, with a very, very good manager. Um, who I think could probably do damage in the Premier League next year. Um, so that that's there's a there's a lot of there's going to be a lot of competition, um, and I think having the right mix of players. I think we've talked about this before to mention about you know that whole cohesion in the team. Uh, you can go out and buy all these big players, but you know sixty million pounds, dollars, euros, whatever you're spending um, doesn't buy you teamwork. It can buy you talent. You know, so um, I think the likes of, of Curtis Jones uh, and, you know, Minamino and Nabi and players that are coming through that have been with us for a little while that haven't really featured, um, I, I think next season will we'll, we'll make big strides. Um, is there anybody, is there anywhere you think we really need um, some extra personnel to mention? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the funny thing is, I mean, it's probably the same exact positions we thought we needed last summer honestly, uh, going into, you know, like this summer. And we, when we didn't make those moves, we were, I remember we were kind of almost like skeptical and say, oh, we don't <laughs> want to kind of like, you know, rely on the 97 points and stuff like that. But hey, we just beat that, I guess. Yep. But um, I still think, I mean, you talk, mentioned like uh, Wilson, uh, Groich coming back uh, and Brewster. I mean, out of the three, I only really personally think maybe Brewster in the long run. I don't, I mean, yeah. he's done well for Swansea. Honestly, I have not watched full games to know. And I'm always, you know, cautious about, you know, seeing some goals scored and saying, oh, this is going to be great. Because, you know, what was like two preseasons ago where Solanke was scoring goals left and right in preseason. And we were like, yeah. oh, it's going to be the same mixed thing. And then obviously that didn't turn out. So I really don't think Wilson is good enough to play on this team as a winger. I mean, we've seen, I mean, I watch Bournemouth games just to watch him more than anything else. And you can't have a guy on the field just to take free kicks, especially when you have Trent on there. So uh, it's, you know, like, yeah, he scores some like amazing goals and stuff like that. But I really don't think at the end of the day, he's good enough to be there. Um, so it's almost like, I, and he's not at that age where I think we can say, oh, he's going to get better and better and better. Um, so I feel like both those players, we should probably move on. I would think Rich would have a good market in Bundesliga because uh, he has done well there. Again, it's the same thing. You can be a good player, but not be good enough yeah. to be able to future on this team that's has freaking like 99 points. So I still think we need to find somebody who can play for Mane and Salah because uh, the whole Ox... Origi experiments on the wings and we don't know about Shaq, you know, what's going to happen with that still, but yeah. I really still think we need somebody who's a na- more of a natural winger than, you know, what we tried to work with like on Ox and stuff like that. So that's yeah. when you kind of like rely on Klopp and, you know, trying to find the right person, like you're saying, that's going to fit in that locker room, have the skill level to be able to bring what we want. And then ideally still we need somebody, obviously now we're going to need a center back with uh, your boy Lauren is gone. I'm, I'm sure you were very depressed. So I was um, amazed you made the podcast. I figured you'd be so depressed. But I know, um, man, I was, I was oh, devastated. And then, you know, like a backup for like Robertson. So those are like yeah. the only three positions that I feel like we have to sign somebody for. Uh, definitely a fourth center back now, knowing the injury history of like Gomez and Matip. Yeah. Uh, and then Robertson. I know Milner is still there, but... Like I say, the whole Nikoi experiment was kind of like questionable and it's probably too much to expect from a kid to play left back 
when he's not even yeah. like perfectly ready to play right back his natural position. So those are the three spots. And I kind of like at this point, these guys have earned the rights to kind of like let us say, let them do their job because obviously they've done a good job. So whatever they feel is necessary. But looking from outside, I think those are like the three glaring openings in that squad. Yeah. So, yeah, Tim mentioned there, um, he who shall not be named, uh, making a move. And obviously, Lallana's moved on to Brighton. Um, Those are two slots in the squad that will be filled. Um, You mentioned Curtis Jones. I think he's the natural replacement for Lallana uh, in the squad. Um, he, he plays a, a similar sort of role in that midfield attack kind of thing. Um, and obviously sort of that centre-back position. Uh, do you think someone like um, Big Sep would be sent, brought up to the first team or do you think we're going to dip into the market for someone? Um, I think we're going to dip into the market. Um, I don't know who's going to be out there that we're going to want to spend money on. Um, big money to come in and be the third center back or even fourth center back. Uh, I think it maybe uh, – let's see what Sepp shows in the preseason. But I still think it might be a little bit too early to put him up there or he would have to play a string of games. Uh, I don't know if he's yeah. – uh, he has the size. I don't think he's grown into his body yet. He still looks a little bit thin, yeah. you know, to handle 15 to 20 games going against uh, strikers and, you know, big-bodied guys. Um, But, yeah, like I said – Klopp and Edwards and all that staff, they've pulled diamonds out of the rough before where you look at him like, you know, who's this dude? And then, you know, he's featuring <laughs> 20-some, you know, and you're like, okay, like, he's a serviceable guy. So, I think, yeah, we just have to let back uh, – let the scouting department do their job and uh, we'll find somebody. You know, well, right now, who wouldn't want to come play for us? Exactly. You know, um, we're, if it's you're the attractive team. Yeah, a few of the a few of the uh, the rumors I'm hearing, um, some of the players' names that have been bandied about. I know we spoke about Thiago. Um, th- there's a a bit of talk about Saar uh, from Watford. Um, obviously, there's the Mane connection there, and, and apparently, from what I'm led to believe from some friends back home, him and Mane um, have a similar relationship to what um, Lucas and Coutinho had, um, where Mane is kind of his his mentor in England so to speak. Um, I actually remember uh, after like a Watford game at Anfield yep. last week, uh, Mane telling Dini, take care of my boy. Yeah. Uh, so, like, you know, like when they were like on their way out of the game and stuff like that. Yeah. So they do have that relationship, but I feel like the price is going to be high and we don't do well with Watford. I, I think, well, that's, here's the thing. Watford have been relegated. They're a championship club. They're actually in no place to negotiate now. Um, if they'd have stayed in the Premier League, they, they would be perfectly within their rights to start demanding 50, 60 million for the players. But as a championship club, that also comes with knocking down the price a little bit. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of like him as a player. He's young, he's rough. Um, and I think he's the perfect kind of player that shop, uh, that the club could shape um, perfectly. Um, you know, and he has no better mentor in Sadio Mane for the for that left side of position. So um, that that would be a decent signing, in my opinion. Uh, another name being in, being banded about is Buendia from Norwich. What do you think of him, Hooch? Um, maybe decent. Uh, it's just tough to tell. I mean, you figure with the guys they have in the locker room, whoever comes in um, from a smaller club. You know, it's a whole big fish in a small pond. Now you're a small fish in a big pond type of deal. And yeah. uh, with the leadership between Hendo, you know, Miller will be back. These guys are, you know, featured for the small, lesser clubs aren't going to be able to come in and demand playing time um, and just have a whole list of demands. They're going to have to show, uh, prove it. So whoever we do bring in, um, I think between Klopp, Millie, Hendo, those type of guys, they'll put them in their place relatively early and say, here's how we do business. Here's what we do. We're here to win games, win trophies, and fall in line. Yeah, um, I, I, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I think a lot of, I think a lot of players, um, if they have egos of any any kind, I think Klopp would be very quick um, to pick up on that. And probably that's why we probably sees a lot of interest in some players, and then all of a sudden the interest just disappears because maybe the club meet with them or Klopp meets with them or whatever, and their attitude isn't what we're looking for. They may be ridiculously talented players, but they maybe just don't fit that persona that, that's going to do well 
in our in our locker room. You know, um, another name being banded about, and um, I know my mate Lovelady back home, he, he's a big fan, is Ben White from Leeds, uh, the central defender. Um, he had a phenomenal season in the championship last year. Um, and, and I know there's a lot of club, big, bigger clubs sniffing around him. Um, Leeds coming up into the league, they might be able to hold on to him because they can promise him Premier League football and he'll probably be a starter. Um, I mean, if he came to us, he would probably be number four. Um, but um, do you have any sort of experience with Ben White or um, have you watched many of the Leeds games? I've seen a few and I think goes back to what you're saying is, I mean, the guy is going to be in demand because of what he's done. Shabish and he's come to the Premier League. So it's not an upgrade in that sense. He's only going to be in the Premier League. And I feel like kind of goes back to what the Hooch is saying. I mean, whoever is coming is kind of coming in as number three slash four. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be kind of like the probably like the trickiest thing. Um, one name, actually, see, I was going to throw out there. Not that I'm rooting for a Turkish guy to be joined. Why would I? <laughs> but uh, there's uh, the dude out of Germany, Ozan Kabak, uh, yes. which is Kabak. I, it, this is like a the really odd thing I have, by the way, totally off topic. But <laughs> I like translate Turkish names into, I even say it how like somebody over here would say it, even though I know how it should be pronounced. It's kind of like <laughs> Weird second language, third language disease. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's like a, he's like he's only like 20, 21, somewhere on there. Yeah. Uh, I've seen him play. Unfortunately, he was playing for a God right when I used to watch him. Uh, but uh, like very talented kid. He did great in Germany. And I know, and obviously we have uh, good scouting contacts in Germany, thanks to Klopp. Um, I can see him being signed. The only concern I have is obviously the, the ceiling is really high, but the age. Uh, in terms of like, will we bring somebody that young and throw them in the Premier League? But it's an area we need someone for. And I guess we were talking about this, I think, on the last podcast. One thing they're going to have over Lauren automatically is they're going to be coming with a clean slate. Yeah. So they're not going to be, you know, people like yourself are not going like, <laughs> to every mistake he makes. Uh, yeah. It's going to be more like he's going to come with a clean slate. So yeah, he might make a mistake or he might do well and stuff like that. I, I feel like, you know, we're working on a piece right now where we kind of all chime in about like, you know, what Lauren does and yeah. did in the past. And I always felt like his mistakes were kind of like overblown and whatever he did well was kind of like diminished in a way just because of that you know when he first started he played in that brutal defensive line with almost no goalie behind him and so like once you kind of like form that opinion of a player it's very difficult to change any kind of like struggle with that but um so that would be one advantage of whoever comes in to be able to kind of start with a clean slate and then kind of like earn their minutes, I guess. I mean, I really like Joel more than Gomez right now as number two when he's fit, especially at Anfield against teams who are kind of like playing defense uh, just because of the way he can bring the ball and like pass between the lines and stuff like that. But um, yeah, and that's another thing like that. Ozan kid is one of those guys where he's really good on the ball, almost like a right back that plays a center back. Okay, that. That's an interesting one, Hooch. Have you anybody else that you've you've got on mind that you you think we might be? Anybody else Turkish or? <laughs> <laughs> um, one guy I would love to have, but there's he's just gonna be priced out by Wolves is uh, Traore. Him coming yeah. down on that right side, the balls he plays in, and his size and his speed, it's almost not normal. If you look at his build yeah. and how he's quick, uh, he's shifty, and he the crosses he plays in they're near perfect, but. He's not going to probably – he wouldn't crack the starting three for us at this point. No. So you go back to the whole team and Warner thing where you can't spend 50, 60, 70 million dollars on a player to have him come off the bench or to be insurance, especially with the, uh, the way the economics are right now. You know, maybe two seasons ago, maybe you say, okay, we can do it. But with right now, uh, it's just he's going to be too much, too expensive for us. But he's somebody I would really like to see. I think, yeah, Traore is somebody uh, – I do, I do like him as a player. I do have my reservations about him because he, he plays as more of a natural winger for Wolves. Um, would he be able to play that role that Mo or Mane play? Um, you know, he's very used to having someone like Jimenez who is an out-and-out striker in the box waiting for those crosses. We don't have that out-and-out striker. Um, and maybe it's a plan B version 
you know, where you have a, an out-and-out striker up top like Brewster and the likes of a Traore on the wing whipping balls into him. Um, and again, he's still young. There's, there's a chance to refine him. Um, but like you said, big, big money. Um, are we going to spend 60, 70 million to put a player on the bench? Um, I mean, I just saw today there that Aston Villa want um, 80 million. Oh, really? Jack <laughs> yeah, Ray. I saw that too. Um, and here's the thing. That, that makes sense in the current market. He's English, you know. Um, and with the Brexit thing, we don't know how that's going to affect um, teams and rules in the future. So they're all going to be clamoring to get these English kids uh, to make sure they can make the quota. Um, and, and that's why, you know, you see, you see someone like Harry Maguire go for 80 million. You know, um, that was nothing to do with his ability. Uh, it was absolutely nothing to do with his ability. It was all to do with the fact that he's English and he's homegrown. What are you talking about? He's great. You know, um, (laughs) Garth Crooks obviously thinks he's great if he's got him in the team of the year. I really don't see that at all. (laughs) That guy's obviously smoking crack. Um, Yeah. um, So, yeah, I mean, we're we're kind of in a little limbo thing here. We've just won the title. We're not quite sure what's happening. Um, So let's just touch on some other stuff. Um, Klopp was named the LMA Manager of the Year today. Um, Well-deserved, in my opinion. Yeah. Sir Alex Ferguson said, uh, as he handed him the trophy, uh, I'll forgive you for waking me up at three o'clock in the morning to tell me you'd won the league. Um, I really hope that story is true because nothing would make me happier than knowing a drunk clop <laughs> booty called Alex Ferguson at three o'clock in the morning. That's that's the best. Well, having heard his like championship story when he was at Dortmund, where you just woke up <laughs> back up a truck or something like that, I guess it's very, very possible that he yeah, in like the from. middle of a fucking industrial estate or something. Yeah, you had no idea how he got there. That's amazing. <laughs> the man's amazing. I just, I don't know. Like, literally, there's only like, I don't get starstruck, you know. And I've met famous people before and all that kind of stuff or whatever. And I've worked in the music industry for a long time and I've met a lot of people, but. I would turn into a three-year-old child in front of Jurgen Klopp. I just don't know. I'd just be a blubbering mess, you know, especially if I got a hug. I mean, I would probably just melt into the ground <laughs> and just be a puddle. So, um, yeah, for him to get manager of the year. And, I mean, there's here's the thing. You could warrant Chris Wilder having a shout at it. You could even warrant um, Frankie Lampard. You know what I mean? What he's done at Chelsea. Nobody was expecting him to do anything like that. He's got them qualified um, for the Champions League and, you know, a, a shot at the FA Cup. You know, so he's done really well there. But I just think the fact that we were just so far ahead just obliterated everybody else in the league. Yeah. We beat every single team and we were just so far ahead. Um, it's hard not to give him that. Um, Hendo winning... Football Writers Association Player of the Year. I know that has pissed off a lot of people to no end. Um, I think it's hilarious, and I think it's he's well-deserved. I, I even see Liverpool fans complaining that Sadio Mane should have won it. Um, Those are the handle haters coming, trying to kind of like come out of their hole, man. That's all that yeah, is. Um, I mean, I think just you don't look at the games where Hendo played. You look at the games where Hendo didn't play, and that's where you see the effect he has on this team. You know, and that's why he wins that title. Um, you can talk about a lot of the thing about him getting all the captains together for NHS and that. But if you see the drop off in our midfield and, and how we operate uh, without him to win there, it just shows you how integral he is to this team. Uh, and how, you know, the fact that I said it myself like 18 months ago, two years ago, when, when we signed Virgil, I was very much for Virgil taking the captain's armband. I, I, I kind of thought it was going to be the end of Hendo. Um, he's, surprised the fuck out of me um completely turned it around you know um and really won me over as a as a captain of this club and to see him lift that trophy um on wednesday just i didn't realize the effect it would have to see him do the shuffle and lift the actual premier league title you know um i never thought he you know if i go back to those two years ago when i had these things going on in my head um to think he, I, there's no way he could, he'll, he'll be a good enough captain that will lift the title. And then from nothing to this, he's now the first name on the team sheet for me because I now see the effectiveness on what he actually 
is it's not just about that running around. It's not just about that being in people's faces. It's everything he brings to the club. And even I know I mentioned about the Minomino thing. Everybody else is celebrating with the trophy. Hendo looks and spots Minamino standing by himself. That's what a captain does, you know? And, uh, and I think you can see the emotions, you know. I, I had to stop watching all those videos of him and Lilana and all that kind of stuff, them getting emotional because I was a mess myself, you know? Um, and I think it, that's when you find out the most about that guy is, I mean, because he's so modest and humble and the way he carries himself. I mean, I love the dude. I mean, I've been his, you know, defending him the last probably like three, four seasons. Yeah. And... See, who knows? <laughs> yeah, exactly. but, uh, but I think when you listen to other players talk about him, you understand it even more in terms of like what he has done yeah. and, you know, like behind the scenes, like what he does as a captain, you know, leading by example. And he's a lot more vocal on the field as well. I mean, a few games like the, I don't think like the way that some of the points we lost towards the end and kind of like a lackluster performances was mostly after Hendel was gone. Cause I don't yeah. think he lets that shit go down on the field. <laughs> no, he gets in your face. So, I mean, he kind of has that personality, but then again, anytime the guy wins something, you know, they're trying to give him all these accolades and stuff like that, but he's always like deflecting to the team, to club, to people behind the scenes, yeah. to the staff, whoever. I mean, the dude, the way he carries himself is like perfect. I think, to any young kid, he sets such a great example because he's not by far like the most talented guy, but you know he works his ass off every yeah. game. The way he carries himself, the way he leads and stuff like that. So if you put in the work and have the right attitude, you can be like a real good footballer. And I think he's just like, like you know, exemplifies that. Exactly. And that, that's the thing. I mean, Hooch, if you look at sort of our team um, and the players that we have in there, there's some ridiculously... Um, gifted and talented footballers. But when you look through our whole team, you can't look at any player and go, yeah, he's lazy. You know? Um, yep. Everybody in our squad uh, will run through brick walls for, as far as I can see. I mean, I've never sort of looked at any of them and went, yeah, he doesn't give everything he should. And, and I think Hendo sets that example. And Milner behind him as the vice captain Again, sets another example, you know, in Hando's absence, he's equally as driven and, you know, again, in a similar mold to Hendo, he's not the most ridiculously gifted footballer on the planet, but he works so hard that he makes up for it. Uh, yeah, for sure. And as uh, Tim knows, I was one of the Hendo haters. Um, <laughs> I was so much of a Hendo hater. No, I don't figured, remember that. <laughs> well, but like what he walked into. So you replaced Gerard, yeah. a local guy. Scores all, you know, every great comeback, you know, the uh, West Ham final, the um, Istanbul. You have all these memories of Gerard. Yeah. Local guy captain, you can't replace that. And I think for a lot of people, it was going to take him winning trophies to finally accept him. Yeah. And uh, if you go back just um, when we beat Barcelona at home, he was leg almost kicked off at the end of the first half, had to take pain injections, comes out. And you can see at the end of the match after the final whistle blows, he's he's on the ground. I mean, on his back. You could just see he gave everything, but barely will stand. And um, I think when you look at him doing that, you know, if you're a young kid, you're like, well, now he's lifted three trophies, four trophies, and now he's still willing to run through a wall, like you said, uh, Chris. And then, you know, Saudio does it. Bobby does it. Uh, Mane does it. So those guys are doing it after all the accolades they've achieved. If you're a young kid, you're just like, well, I just can't get by on natural ability alone. I have to be able to put forth the effort yep. because they're doing it and they've won far more than any young person on that team has. Yeah. I think it, I think it, it points to our, our team and how it's built up. You know, we talked about um, our intensity and that whole thing where um, if our team is playing, everybody has to be playing at 100% together. If one person drops the 70%, and then another two or three drop down a bit, we lose that edge that we have. Um, so those young players coming through and coming to Liverpool know that anything less than 100% is not going to be acceptable. You know, um, because when you look from the front to the back, you know, um, Bobby and Sadio leading the way, pushing those, you know, that high press. And then you've got Hendo and Milner and Genie and Fabinho 
in the middle. And then you've got Trent and, and Robbo, who's just a Duracell bunny and does not stop on that left-hand side. Uh, actually, on that side note, um, he has a book dropping. Did you see this? Uh, he put it out on no. social media today. He's dropping a book, uh, a behind-the-scenes look at the, the league from his point of view. Really? Um, and there was a little thing, actually, uh, in the, the snippet in the video. He says, uh, he says I, play for, I play the game like a, like a fan. When I go on the pitch to play for Liverpool, I play like a fan. It's not always the best thing in the world, but I play football like a like. So in in essence, he is also on the pitch. He doesn't stop. He thinks that he just has to run himself into the ground because that's what everybody in the the ground expects the team to do. So he has that mentality. Is that a bad thing? I don't think it's a bad thing at all. You know, no, and I think that kind of like helps give us more hope for like some of these youngsters that we yeah. have in the squad because they're playing with these guys, they're practicing with these guys, the intensity is there 24-7, so they're in this culture. So when they're like kind of like injected into the starting lineup or come off the bench, they already have like the correct attitude to kind of like display on the field. I mean, that's why like one of the biggest things I think, you know, like about like players like Elliott and Curtis Jones and stuff like that, I have higher hopes for. I know we want to get him experience and loan him out and stuff like that, but I think it's even more valuable sometimes to hang on to these guys so they're kind of like kind of like nurtured by like following these like examples that are on the field with them and you know getting the kick in the ass when it's needed by people yeah. like Henderson and Milner and stuff like that so um yeah I mean I think that's why it's hard to kind of go out there and say well let's get this guy let's get that guy because it's all about like the balance of the team from the salaries to kind of like roles on the field nobody's really the superstar so you don't really want somebody coming in with like a huge price tag or like a huge weekly salary and stuff like that. So it kind of makes it a bit harder to um, kind of like alter and like add pieces in. Yeah. But heck, I mean, this team got nine, nine points, so it doesn't like need a lot of tinkering. Uh, no. <laughs> it just needs to be able to. I think the biggest fear that fans have is, oh, we're going to stop and everybody's going to catch up. Uh, yeah. But there's something to be said about playing together and having that culture and everything as well. And that takes a long time to establish. I mean, we were talking earlier about how, you know, we're hoping Keita, this is the season now where he feels more accustomed. Minamino is probably going to need a more time. I, I mean, you talked about the culture earlier. I was hoping, you know, coming already from Europe, he wouldn't face as much of a battle. But yeah, he almost looked like a transfer student that just came in <laughs> when you were watching the, the trophy celebration and stuff like that. But like you're saying, that's when, you know, like people like Hendo and, you know, like Mane and stuff like that. But you need that culture. If everybody is new, how are these people are going to be worked in? When you have only one, two guys that need that help to be nurtured, it's a lot easier than having 10 guys who just like showed up all together and be able to kind of form that. So we got that going for us. And I mean, that's something that you can't really buy. It takes time to build. Yeah. And I think as, uh, obviously with, uh, with Lalana and uh, that other guy leaving, um, it's, it's, two, it's two pretty big holes in the dressing room, so to speak. You know, it's, it's almost like Moe's best mate. And Hendo's best mate um, have both left. Um, so, I mean, that's obviously going to have an effect on Henderson um, as far as, you know, his role within the, the dressing room. Uh, he doesn't have his friend there for backup, so to speak, uh, in the same way Mo doesn't have his buddy to bounce off. Um, and I think it, that it'll change slightly the dynamic um, around the dressing room and, and who comes in there as well. I mean, Talking about people coming in, do we think anybody else is going to leave? Uh, Hooch, what do you think? Um, maybe Shakiri if he wants to go play first team football somewhere. I don't know what happened behind. If there's something behind the scenes that Klopp doesn't like about him, but he's almost been a ghost. And um, yeah. you can't say when he's on the pitch he doesn't try or he doesn't put forth no. effort. So I don't know if it's something in training or he's just one of the. You know, he's just. Uh, casualty of the numbers and the position he plays that, you know, there's through two or three guys ahead of him. Um, so he can maybe go. I've seen talk that Genie might be on his way out um, if the price is right. I don't know about that. You know, he's 29, he's going on 30. I don't know what you're really going to be able to get for that. Um, I think if he does go, though, I think that then we probably end up with Tiago coming in to replace him in that role. 
Yeah, um, I've seen the genie thing um, a few times, and some people talking about it, and and I'm kind of um, you know, we we saw that post from him last week that seemed to be like a was it a goodbye post? It it seemed kind of like, you know, it it had that kind of vibe to it. Um, but I I I don't know. Again, it's hard to read into these things. Um, the Shaq thing, I I want to say the Shaq thing um, isn't necessarily his ability. I want to say it's his physique. You know, um, when you're that muscular, and, and I've known a, a you know, I come from a family of sort of like strongmen and bodybuilders. You couldn't tell though because. Um, I'm the smallest. There's no video um, on this. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> no, but um, you know, for them, I, I can remember um, constant injuries because they were just so muscular. There wasn't a lot of um, you know, lots of sort of little back strains and calf strains, little little things like that. And that's what it seems to be with Shaq. Quite a bit is these stupid little muscle strains and and tears. Uh, and I think that boils down to the guy's physique. And could it be um, they're maybe working him and his physique, maybe working the muscle out of him so he's a bit more um, cardio-laden than power-laden, if that makes sense, um, so that he can play at this intensity? Because when you're that, you know, sort of stacked and with that high intensity all the time, you're putting a lot of pressure on the body. So I, I think that could be a thing for Shaq. I could be completely wrong. It could be that he's just, Clot doesn't fancy him. But I'm, I'm trying to think of logical things that make sense in my head to why, because we've seen when he's played, I mean, he played a huge part in that comeback against Barcelona. You know? Um, and I so think that's what the issue is. I think you're being, I mean, obviously we're just, both of us are speculating, but I think you're being yeah. like extremely optimistic about what could be happening behind the scenes. I almost yeah. get the sense that, you know, we talk about, you know, intensity and being on it 100% all the time. I almost feel like, I mean, Klopp has mentioned the muscle issue that you referred to when he had the hamstring injury or yeah. was it like a thigh injury that, you know, yeah. it takes a lot of groin for a guy like that because of, you know, like his muscle weight and stuff like that. But I think once he is fit, I almost feel like it's a practice issue or, you know, what we see when he goes in. We only see him when he goes in. And obviously when he's yeah. in, yeah, we see him running around. He's like, oh, he's, he's doing it. Well, what's the problem? But we don't see practice every single day so we don't see if he's taking something off and only giving like 80 percent on the training session and we know how like kind of like kind of anal club is on the training <laughs> and i don't know if that's kind of like what the issue comes from that's my opinion in terms of him being passed over in his position in some ways and you know yeah. like we're playing you would think as a winger he should be the one coming in yeah. uh, i would like to see him more you know coming in into that role but, you know, we see repeatedly, you know, Ox playing on the wing or, you know, yeah. like Divock playing on the wing and stuff like that. My assumption is he is not putting in 100% on training. I mean, I hope your theory is right because yeah. I really think he has potential. And we saw that in Barcelona game, but we just saw that one game. I just don't think we see the consistency in him in training and therefore in the game. So he does not earn that spot. Yeah. But like I say, we're both just speculating. So I've also... Um... We we mentioned Divock Origi, um, and how you know he keeps getting played on the wing and all that kind of stuff. Um, do you think he could be one of the ones out the door, Hooch? Um, I think so. I think it's another issue if he wants to if he is okay with his role being the first forward off the bench, um, playing some cup ties. If you have a, a short turnaround, he gets a start. Um, then he could stay. But if he wants the minutes. Um, then he's going to probably have to go to a more of a mid-table type club yeah. Um, if he wants to play. It's just what he wants. You know, you can stay here and win trophies and be okay being the fourth or the first guy off the bench, or you can go start somewhere else in, you know, be eighth, ninth, seventh in the league, maybe get an FA Cup round of your team. It's just what he deems important, I think. I could actually probably see him going to Italy um, or, or maybe back to Germany, somewhere like that. Um, he didn't do, do well there, though. I think, he would do- I think it's a risky proposition because you would think with the Euros, he would want to go to a team to be able to get a call up, yeah. you know, be able to start and stuff. But, you know, if you're a Divock, do you say, yeah, let me do that or stay here, kind of know your role, be on this winning team, constantly getting medals? 
or do you roll the dice? I mean, because we know how the Wolfsburg experiments panned out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and that's the thing. It's if, he's also going to have that extra competition next year. You know, Ryan Brewster coming back, obviously on 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 a massive high after a really strong, you know, loan spell with Swansea, um, and, and the opportunity to help them get promoted. Um, so he's going to be coming back in the preseason with us, um, in 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 really top form. Um, you know, and, and I think the the thing with Origi and being that you know he's kind of one of the last um players from that Rogers era. You know, um, Lalana's moved on, Lovren's moved on, Klein's moving on. Um, you know, so the only ones sort of left are, are Milner and and him. Um, because Hendo Hendo was brought in by Kenny, so that was before that. Um, so it, it's just it, it's interesting to see. Um, I mean, I like him as a player, but I don't think he's nearly as effective as he should be. He shows those little bits of brilliance, like the goal he scored against Newcastle. You know, I, I said a couple of weeks ago that you know he can just do that. He can do that just as well as Harry Kane can. He can cut in from the right and put a ball in the far corner. Uh, that's kind of what his bread and butter. Um, the only problem is we're not set up to play that way. Um, and it's just on occasion he'll get an opportunity to do it. But I just don't think he's the right fit for how we want to play football or how Klopp wants to play football. And he's almost a, a square peg in a round hole. Right. He kind of uh, reminds me of when uh, we bought Christian Benteke. And everybody's howling him because he always played well against us with Villa. And then <laughs> Bob comes in and all of a sudden switches it up and he's standing there looking around like, yeah. Uh, where's the cross is at? Yeah, he's a target man. You're going to hold a play up and this and that, and then next thing you know, he's playing at 80 miles an hour and Klopp's playing at 120 miles an hour. Yeah. He's just, like, left looking, like – and it was painful to watch that because it wasn't his fault. You know, the manager switched up on him. I mean, not by his own fault, but uh, that's kind of what Divock reminds me of right now. If you're not set up to play the ball into him and make him a central focus, um, he doesn't really do any good on the wing. Other than, like you said, you know, coming in – off the left with his right foot, but in terms of the pressing and the style of play, he just doesn't seem to fit. Yeah, and that could yeah, that could be a similar thing with Shaq. There, though, I mean, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that, but I think Klopp like. I mean, you got to figure we're talking about this Wolfsburg experiment that was pretty much brutal, <laughs> or like except the last game. Yeah, and Klopp kept him in the squad. You know, after like I mean, it was like a decent preseason, but nothing exceptional, and Klopp still kept him. So I think he's doing some things right either like in training or like on the field, he's following whatever he directive he is given. We may not like what, like, you know, what comes yeah. out of it maybe, or we want different things from him or we expect different things from him. But I think part of the deal is he goes on there on the left-hand side. So we're like, become money. You know, he goes on the right. We're like, yeah. Emo. And, and, and that's not what he is. And I think Klopp knows that. So when he's actually plugged in in that spot, like there's different expectations of him because We've hung on to him for a while, even though, you know, his loan spell was not all that. And I don't know. I don't think it's knowing club is never lack of alternatives. It's more about, you know, knowing what you're going to get. Either it's the attitude he likes, the approach he likes, or just the fact that Divac is accepting his role. And it's hard to find somebody as good as Divac who is willing to be able to, you know, who's willing to say, that's yeah. fine, I'll sit over here, call me if you need me. I mean, he has scored some clutch goals for us. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, you know, he, he's a, he does rise to the occasion on the big game. You know, goals against Everton, goals in the Champions League, all those sort of things, you know. So it's not like, you know, it's not like a bad player in any way, shape or form. Um, but I'm just, the thing about our team and the thing about being a successful football club is evolving. Uh, and moving uh, and obviously um, being able to make those little adjustments every season to keep on top, you know, uh, and I think um, next year we're going to see something a little bit different, um, you know, maybe a shift in, in formation slightly or whatever that's going to be, depending on the players we bring in. I mean, here's the thing, we're talking about us not spending any money. They might shock the fuck out of us and just drop 70 million on someone and we'll be like, yeah. holy shit, you know, um, like it was the same thing like with Fabinho. Nobody expected Fabinho. Bang, fifty million, get him in. Yeah. Like, holy shit, where did he come from? You know, I so, so. <laughs> yeah, it would be nice. Um, but I mean that's the thing. When you take sort of um 
that guy and the I'll say his name since he's gone he's no longer with us <laughs> Dejan Lovren I've said it I've said it Lovren um, so Lovren's off the wage bill Lalana's off the wage bill they're, they were the I think the 7th and 8th or the 8th and ninth highest earners at the club you know so that's big big money off the wage book um, so that frees up space for other things um, or, or it might just help us keep the wage bill down a little bit for this season um, so yeah I mean there's there's going to be options and I'm sure we're not going to just we're obviously going to bring somebody in um, I can't see us not spending anything at all I mean I'm sure there's again with Klopp and Edwards you just don't know they have all That's they, the they just of it. you don't know but you almost have to like kind of let them do their thing exactly. and they kind of earn the trust hey so their, like, their track record is, is exemplary you know um, so it, it's it's definitely I think um, I mean, all these talk about midfielders coming in. I think we're good in midfield. I mean, if you think about it, you've got Handel, Milner, Jones, um, Keira, Fabinho. Um, you know, Grudge will be coming back um, if he features. But even then, you still have five solid midfielders in there. Um, and you have some other players that can play in that position. So it, it's it's definitely going to be interesting to see where we strengthen. I, I definitely think we need some backup for Sadio, as you said, Tim, um, and definitely a backup for, for, for Robbo um, because we don't have anything as far as a, a natural left-back goes. We have players that can cover the position, but, you know, say we come up against City or a big game or in the Champions League and for whatever reason, Handel's in, or Robbo's injured. You know, at this stage now, can Milner still do that job? For that one game or for six or seven games? For that one game, maybe. For one I game, yeah. For six or seven games, that's the issue, yeah. Exactly. So I think we need someone in there. Um, and again, we don't need to spend massive money for that position. You know, we need a decent backup. Uh, and I think we, we need a naturally left-sided player. Um, I would like a, a wing-back winger kind of player that could maybe play both. That could cover for both Sadio and Robert. Bring Moreno back. You know, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, come on. Uh, here's the thing: I, be careful what you wish for. Well, no. Here's the thing: I think Moreno is is another one of those players that suffered from being bad. Um, <laughs> again, I, I don't think he was actually that bad. Um, a, I think it was more like a wing back, like you're saying. He would be good if it was like a three-five-two or something like that. But exactly, man, and, and a more attack. But here's the thing. Alberto Moreno was a winger. Yeah. That, that was his position. He just happened to be playing that left-back position for Sevilla that season when we scouted him because they had injuries in the squad. So Brendan Rodgers bought him as a left-back, but he was actually a winger. You know, so... And he sure um, showed because he was great going forward. He was amazing going forward. Um, I mean, even there was, there was conversations with other players uh, saying that some of the most amazing things I'd ever seen in training, training were coming from Moreno. Like, he was equally as good with his feet as Coutinho was and things like that. So uh, I think he suffered a lot from sort of, again, the square peg in a round hole, um, you know, syndrome and, and not being given his fair shot and, and you know, being judged for his, his whole career for that one game against Sevilla, you know? So um, it, it just, it's interesting to see how people react to different players. But yeah, we need that left side. We need that left side covered um, because, you know, you've got Harvey coming through that could cover for Mo. Um, and as much as I love Ox, he's great in that central role. I hate him out wide. He just, he's not as effective out there. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Lalana. It kind of slows the front three down a little bit because they're not um, essentially that go forward attacking minded. They have a midfielder's mentality where they're looking around them and looking for different options instead of going forward. Yeah. You know, and I think that's the difference between Mo and Sade as opposed to, say, playing Ox or Lalana on those positions because their thing is get the ball, go towards the goal. Lalana and Ox will stop, look around for options, and all of a sudden that counter has stopped. Yeah. And I think you that's know? why we do need a natural winger. I mean, Sar would be ideal really for that position unless you know they find another 
hidden gem somewhere in Europe or something like that. Yeah, somebody Turkish or something. But anyway, you know, like <laughs> get like you know, like somebody that we have not heard of, you know, yeah. as much or like in a smaller league or something like that. But that would be more of a project. I mean, like I said, that's why Saab would be ideal. Somebody from the Premier League would be ideal. Um, even a player like uh, Neto, like in like players like Wolves. Okay. Uh, I mean, you know, somebody like that, ideally, if we're bringing somebody in to fill in rather than a project, I, I would want somebody that has Premier League experience, but obviously the price tag goes up with that too. So. Exactly, exactly. Tim, what's your thoughts on, say, someone like Diego Jota? From Wolves? Uh, yeah, see, that was the another option from Wolves, but that was like the more expensive one. That's why I went cheaper yeah. with Neto. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Hooch? I figured, you know, Jada will be, you know, his price tag would be a lot higher. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think that's the kind of player that I would ideally want because I feel like actually that they can fill in for Bobby as well if Minamino is not being able to fill that spot. Yeah, I think Minamino is going to be fine. Uh, he's starting to. Slowly but surely, ground his way in. Hooch, anybody, any players out there that, that tickle your fancy that you'd like to see? Um, I really can't think of one offhand. It's because you get to that where if you're trying to buy off a team like Wolves, where they've just finished sixth in the league, so they have their future. I mean, they you know they're not going to be a one-year wonder if they can hold on to these guys. And I think this is the one year where the smaller type clubs can just price everybody out. Yeah. Um, you know, like you said, Traore may be eighty million. Um. You know, Galish is eighty million. To us. I think these small teams are finally think, looking at it like we're well, either going to bankroll us for the next two seasons, and if you really want this guy, we they could hold him for a king's ransom. So it's be really tough to find that fit with the type of player we need at the right age for the right price. Who's okay yeah. with accepting the backup role? Yeah, that's it. I think it's just clearly now we're we're not really buying to imp- improve our first eleven. We're we're now buying to improve the squad and our backup, so to speak, because there's not really a lot of players out there. Um, no matter how much money we would spend that would approve this first 11, um, you know, so it, it's, it's kind of, we, we are in a, a tough spot in that sense that, you know, we're not going to be able to spend hundreds of millions of dollars um, to buy big, big name players. But again, there's not a lot of big, big name players out there that would walk into our team. You know, I mean, you talk about Messi and Ronaldo and all. There's that side of the realms of possibility altogether. But when you go back into the players, that could be a possibility. We're not going to spend two hundred million on Mbappe, and is he really going to improve us that much? You know, it goes back to the balances. I mean, yeah, it would be exactly. great, but it goes back to like messing up the entire balance. The, yeah. Basically, messing up with what's the strength of this team, which yeah. you know, something that probably the last thing you want. And the biggest mistake usually winning teams really make. Because they feel like, you know, the only way to improve it is really go above and beyond. Yeah. And that messes everything else up. So, I mean, let's hope we don't make that mistake. The good news is we have five weeks of this to look forward to now. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead, Hitch. Uh, But I kind of said with FSG, them and the Red Sox, they kind of built the same way like Liverpool did. Yeah. And then after they had some success, then they started splashing big money on some big-name players who didn't deliver. Yeah. And then they had to sell off, and they had a few years rebuilding. They just had to trade like Mookie Betts, all them type of guys. So you wonder if that ownership mentality is on the carryover to Liverpool side of it where, yeah. okay, we kind of did like the money ball, small, not small market, but, you know, we built from within the system. Yeah. And then you kind of, okay, we have all the success. So now we can go out and just splash money around because it's always going to be coming in. And then you're one big sign in the way not working. Yeah. And then that guy's stuck and you're stuck with his wages. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, that's the thing. As Tim said, we've now got five, six weeks or whatever it's going to be of this whole um, preseason and whatever, and obviously we're not going to get the preseason tour. We'll get a couple of preseason games. Um, this will be our last sort of match podcast, so to speak. Um, you know, I think we'll probably come back next week and we'll do a, a review of the season. Um, we'll get as many of our guys on as possible, and we we can chat about that. Um, and then we'll get to talking about the build up and everything else for season next year. Um, I mean, is there anything else you guys want to shout out while we're here? Hooch? Uh, just that uh, with Lover and leaving, it was actually my first big European memory was that comeback against Dortmund. <laughs> I, it's just how, you know, you always heard about him and then yep. watching that match and the ups and downs of it. And 
of all people, for him and Sacco to score the two goals yeah. to tie us and put us ahead. And then um, we'll say that great assist that he had to clav on <laughs> uh, New Year's Day's back yeah. uh, to pull the game out to death. Um, but, no, that's it. Just, a, you know, whoever gave me my first big European memory as a Liverpool supporter. And so, for that, that's what I remember him as. Fair play, fair play. Tim, anything for you? No, but just to annoy you, I'll talk about Lauren too. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, like I say, it's kind of like looking forward to kind of seeing like what happens. I know part of me kind of hates this part of the year just because of these just like bunch of baseless rumors. I mean, we could have just pulled up like 10 rumors out of our ass right now and, you know, made news out of it. But kind of like sifting through that and stuff is a challenge, but that's what we're going to try to do. At least look more at, you know, like looking at the numbers and stats behind some of these names instead of just like randomly throw Turkish names out there, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, that's it. Um, You know, for me, obviously 30 years, um, you know, I I was a, just a small boy. The last time we, uh, we won the title. And for me, just after 30 years, it just makes it complete for the B club and, and this team. Is that like an age joke you're trying to rub in or what? what is that? Bit, just cause you're the old man. Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, I mean, for me, it's just, uh, that just, it's the full circle thing. Everything is complete for me. So, um, yeah, on that note, um, we'll tie things up. Don't forget to check us out. Uh, uh, our Facebook group, get in on the conversation, LFC America. Uh, check out AmericanScouser.com Facebook page, Ameri- at AmericanScouser blog on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and don't forget to check back onto the website, AmericanScouser.com. Uh, we now have a new merch store up. Uh, lots of shirts, um, stuff for the kiddies, uh, everything for the cop-out uh, American Scouser, whatever you want to call yourself um, over this side. Um, really great prices, really good quality gear. Um, re- lots of original designs and we're going to be adding more and more and more as the weeks go on uh, so don't forget to check those out um, guys if there's anything else you just need to add Tim Butch. no man just keep on partying we'll probably have party another four or five weeks over here before we go to the <laughs> yeah. Sunday <laughs> yeah likewise uh, so don't forget turn on tune in cop out the American Express podcast oh.